today on the Tearsheet Podcast. Banking was just one of many things folks were asking us to do, but when we also looked at the outcomes, it's the area we found the most leverage, right? It's the area where we saw not only are customers being poorly served by the existing products and services they were using in the banking space, but also we could do things, we could make investments in our platform and our product and our features and functionality that would help them achieve better outcomes more rapidly than we excuse me, then we might be able to in other areas of fintech, at least right now. Welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast. I'm Zach Miller. A lot of monoline financial firms look a lot like banks nowadays. Rebundling, as we like to call it in the industry, is happening. You don't need to look further than Betterment, a fintech firm whose roots were as a robo-advisor. The firm has been rolling out more banking functionality, and the firm's president of retail, Mike Royst, joins us on the podcast to discuss the move into general banking. Mike was previously the firm's CTO, so his perspective on Betterment's product roadmap gives some insight into where the firm is headed. He discusses the demand side and what customers are looking for. We also chat about the firm's overall vision and how that impacts product development during the COVID-19 era. Mike Royce is my guest today on the Tearsheet Podcast. Yeah, hi. Thanks for having me, Zach. Uh, my name is Mike Royst. I am the president of retail at Betterment. And right before that, I was the chief technology officer. So I've been at Betterment around seven years now. And I spent a lot of my um, early days on the software engineering side, building and shipping products, and eventually shifted a little bit more into a business-centric role, especially as Betterment started getting into banking. Um, which complemented our earlier um, investments in long-term traditional investing. And I, I do whatever feels necessary day to day. Um, I manage the PL. I still think about the technology. I work a lot with our partners on the vision for the product and the company. Um, think about the culture and ensuring we're doing the absolute best we can for our customers each and every day. That's awesome. And Mike, before we jump into um, Betterment's approach to banking, uh, I have a different question for you. Um, given the fact that you've, your role has evolved and your, and your roots are in technology, mm -hmm. I, how does that color, I guess, your work as you're thinking about partnerships and growth and P&L? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think the first thing that comes to mind is that it helps shape what's possible on what timeline. Right. There's a million things I'd love to build for customers um, to help achieve the mission of the company. And that basis and technology gives me, I mean, things are hard to predict. Technology evolves at surprising ways um, or in surprising ways. But for me, it at least gives me some baseline for what I can hope to build or what to think about. And also it still helps me you know, orient around here's the platform we're building versus the future enablement of, of what we can build on top of that, right? Sometimes you just have to build great plumbing so that you can build really differentiated, really compelling new stuff in the future as well. So it, it helps me pull some of that stuff uh, together. I think it also, you know, software and technology keep you pretty honest, right? At the end of the day, the computer doesn't interpret what you say, what you, in the way you might want. It does literally what you tell it. And that just gives you a little bit of a sense of humility and it forces you to really think hard about how you're expressing yourself, um, what you're building, what it should and shouldn't do. Um, it's just a very rigorous, unforgiving, like analytical approach to the world. And you, you can really apply that to other facets, other functions, which are a little bit more qualitative. And so it just helps me bring that back to how do I know this is going to work? How do I know this is what that's going to do? Um, just a really, really analytical mindset. 
That's a great answer, and I, I love that 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 approach. So, so taking that, you refer to you know Betterment's move in into banking, um, which is inclusive, more inclusive than just investing, right? It's really sort of entire financial services around a customer. Can you talk about, I guess, th- that that vision of moving deeper into banking? Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the things that's important to understand about how Betterment thinks about its business and its mission is what actually drives us, because that actually leads into answering your, your question a little bit more precisely. Uh, like a lot of companies, Betterment is a customer-driven organization, right? We you know, don't like to work backwards from a business model or other motives. We like to talk to customers. We like to understand their needs, their problems. And in addition to talk to them, we like to actually observe behavior, right? We like to see what it is they are and aren't doing. And that helps us think about the right product to build, the right ways in which to build it. And you may have heard about that before, right? A company being customer driven, but Betterment likes to take it a little bit further, right? Because while being customer driven is a great way to potentially build a business, it's not always natural that that's going to lead you to the best outcomes for customers, right? So one of the things we try to do is force ourselves to think about whether it's truly the best thing for customers themselves, not only build it because we think we can sell it to them. And so that's a tricky union. And the reason that's related to banking uh, as an expansion of our platform, which was more investing centric before, is because customers were asking us to do lots of things, right? In a sense, customers, customers are really- yeah. Yeah, they were, you know, they're bummed about lots of different things. They're bummed about insurance, about mortgages, and lots of things going on in their lives. And they just want us to build it all, right? Because they love what we've done for investing. It's been great. It's easier to use. It's providing great returns, like all these things. And so um, banking was just one of many things folks were asking us to do. But when we also looked at the outcomes, it's the area we found the most leverage, Right? It's the area where we saw not only are customers being poorly served by the existing products and services they were using in the banking space, but also we could do things, we could make investments in our platform and our product and our features and functionality that would help them achieve better outcomes more rapidly than we, excuse me, than we might be able to in other areas of fintech, at least right now. And so that real union of those concepts led us into banking, right? Because you know, that everyday cash flow problem, spending, income, that leads really naturally into investing, right? Because investing mm-hmm. is only so important if you can actually save money, if you're actually cash flow positive. Um, they reinforce one another. They're deeply connected every day of your life. And so that, that union, that problem space, that entropy gives us a lot of opportunities to do great things for customers, right? We started to really dip our toes into this, right? One of the things we launched a long time ago it's called cash flow analysis and two-way sweep. And we would actually monitor the spending, and we, we still do this day, monitor the spending behaviors in external checking accounts, right? So you could link up, you know, your Bank of America account or whatever. And we would make sure that you had enough money in that account to pay your bills, but also sweep out as much money as possible to get a higher rate, right? So that you could put that in a higher rate cash account instead of, you know, earning zero or 0.01% or whatever it would be on that checking account. And so that was just a simple product, but very, very powerful in managing that facet of someone's life. So they just didn't have to, you know, transfer money back and forth quite as often as they otherwise would have. And so 
that was a powerful product that had great usage, but we also saw how much more powerful we could make it if we brought it in-house, right? If we control the actual checking account, if we control those accounts, we can just do a better job because interoperating with, you know, the broader U.S. banking system is tough. The data quality is not always there. The data freshness isn't always there. And so the more plumbing and the more infrastructure you can bring in-house, oftentimes the better product you can build. You can make it faster, you can make it more reliable, and do things you otherwise couldn't. So we dipped our toes into it, we saw a lot of success, and we just kept going from there because it you know, was validated in the market that we were doing a better job for customers than they had been doing already, and they, they loved the products. And so we just, we just kept running. Awesome. And, and so can we, you talked about customers asking for a lot of things. I'm sure, I'm sure you have sure. a long roadmap, but what were they specifically looking for help with in terms of banking? You talked about the cash flow analysis. Is, is that really core? It's one of many things. Okay. And so when you talk to customers, they're typically not coming at you with, you know, grandiose visions of like, you know, a self-driving wallet or this like future state where it's magic and everything just happens for you, right? They're typically coming to you because they're grumpy, right? They're typically coming because uh, they were charged a fee, right? Or they thought they had ATM reimbursement and then like it just went away and they didn't read an email closely enough and they didn't notice it until like three statements later. Or, you know, they're wondering why did my bank order the transactions in a given day so that they could charge me overdrafts multiple times instead of once? Or why is my interest rate all of a sudden you know, 0.01%. When I signed up, this was a high yield savings account. Why does my bank never give me any advice that feels personalized, right? Why am I still getting balance transfer offers every week or two in the mail, right? My bank is where I look at my credit report. They know I'm carrying no balances anywhere. Things like that, right? It just doesn't feel personalized. And sometimes it feels like you're being taken advantage of. So that's what you hear a lot of from customers. And that really rounds out a lot of the other focuses we put into building out our checking accounts, as well as cash reserve, our you know, high yield savings product, things like that. So it's, it's a lot more than just that grandiose vision. It's really just nailing the basics and building something people can count on and trust won't take advantage of them and might actually go further and help take care of them. And so that's what you hear a lot about too from customers when you talk to them about banking. It's, it's sort of this interesting, you know, there's lots of surveys out there that show the level of trust customers have. And, you know, incumbent financial institutions don't have tremendous levels of trust. But when they're talking about trust, they're typically talking about like, I don't believe JP Morgan Chase is going to lose the dollars I put in it. I believe it will do its job as a bank, but at the same time, so I trust it in that way, but at the same time, I'm, I'm pretty sure it'll find a way to raise fees on me um, at the same time. So in any case, it's, it's sort of an interesting concept when you dig into it a little bit deeper in actual conversation going beyond, you know, a qualitative survey or quantitative survey rather. So, so you have the, the high yield savings, you have the checking. Um, what is Betterment's overall vision? Um, I guess, in that connection that we talked about earlier about between banking and investing? It's really about pulling all of those pieces together, right? Again, like, and thinking about starting with the customer and the problems, I think a little bit about the headspace, right? I think folks 
would like to have a lot more peace of mind when it comes to finances. Sure. Right. Like there is, it is, it's, it's ridiculous how much work it is, even in reasonably situ, uh, uh, simple scenarios to manage one's finances in the United States. Right. There's the number of things you need to understand about different kinds of tax sheltered accounts, different kinds of accounts, money market savings versus savings versus checking versus a cash management account. There's just so much noise in the world. So giving people peace of mind so that they know they're on track and they don't have to do tons of work every day, every week, every month. Right. The like, you know, it used to be literally balancing your checkbook, but you still have to do it at least figuratively, even if you're not using a classic checkbook. Um, but in any case, for us, the vision is really pulling all of those pieces together, right? Blurring the lines between checking, savings, and investing. And not just investing, but also the different um, facets, right? Like investing's on a spectrum, right? Now you have to think about investing for your um, health savings account. How should you think about that? That's pretty complicated versus short-term investing. Maybe you want to, you know, buy a home in five years. Should you save up for a down payment and, you know, an almost 0% savings account, or should you invest it really conservatively? Questions like that all the way to, I want to retire in 30 years with some reasonable quality of life. How, how might I go about solving that problem? So for us, all of these problems are related and all of them reinforce one another. So pulling all of these products together so that you can ask people the human questions and then automate and take care of the rest is really, really powerful, right? Don't ask a person, should it be a money market mutual fund? Should it be a money market savings account? Should it be a savings account? Or should it be a brokerage sweep cash account? Like that's a ridiculous question for the average person, but it's the question most incumbent financial institutions are actually asking because they just have this giant menu of services. So instead, here's where you save medium term, end of conversation, right? Mm -hmm. And that will answer the question. We will help you answer that question for cash versus investing. If it's investing, how is it invested? It'll be bucketed over here. Let's set up some auto deposits and so on and so forth. And that all kind of builds to this self-driving story right? Where we talk about the self-driving wallet or the smart money manager, the idea that once you have this level of understanding of a customer's objectives and their goals, then you can take care of it, right? That paycheck comes in, it's allocated to all the right places, but it goes well beyond that, right? It's not just the paycheck came in. It's really something happened in the market next month that we didn't foresee that changes how we might have to think about expected returns. So we need to do some reallocation or, Hey, um, hey, customer, we, we have some news, right? Your savings level isn't putting you on track for your long-term saving objectives. Would you like to rethink those objectives or would you like to rethink your savings behavior? There's different things you have to bring to the customer so that they know when they need to make a decision so they're not super disappointed later in life um, because they didn't confront a challenge a little bit earlier on when there was actually still time to do something about it. So it's really pulling all of those pieces together. So at the end of the day, what I want a customer to experience is I come to Betterment, I set up my account, I tell them what I want to achieve, and it's mostly taken care of. And occasionally when I need to take action or make a decision, it's surfaced to me with a really smart default that I can accept or I can customize. And then I go back to my business. I go back to living my life uh, and not worrying too much about, you know, doing my own checkbook in Excel. Um, that's, that's how it all really comes together for us. 
Understood. And, and I have to assume at the, at the beginning of this year, COVID was not part of your product rollout roadmap. So um, how has that impacted how you guys are thinking about at least staggering things, building things, servicing customers? Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the things that was really interesting to see with COVID is, you know, Betterment's been in market for a decade at this point. And, you know, along the years, we've, we've always been hearing from folks like, oh, yeah, this is all great, you know, in a, in a delightful bull market. But what happens when there's a market correction? Right. And so one of the things COVID um, provided us with is a really strong stress test of what happens when people see large double digit declines in their portfolios at Betterment, right? Do they all flee? Do they all panic? What really happens? We had seen a few corrections over the years. It wasn't as if we were never tested before, but this was by far um, the largest. And it came with the context of, you know, fear, right? It wasn't like this localized financial problem in the United States. It was, you know, a pandemic. And so it's a different level of scary for folks. And so part of what COVID provided for us was that test of all the things we've been building that we've been testing along the way, but to see how they worked in this more, um, more dramatic scenario. And one of the things we saw was there was a slight increase in number of folks withdrawing, right? Just about 2% more people were withdrawing during the peak COVID, like, and when I say peak COVID, I mean the most volatile market moments um, mm. much earlier in the year. We only saw a really modest increase in the number of withdrawals, and we actually saw a really large increase. Um, about 26% more people were ad hoc depositing than we would typically expect. So we actually saw very little in terms of running away, um, in terms of people freaking out, and a lot more of people leaning in to what they saw as a market. Um, that had been corrected that was worth investing in again um, for a little bit. So that was an interesting validation, but that's important because that leads into, well, how should we react? How should we build? At the very beginning, we did a lot of work we had not planned, as you, as you implied, hmm. around refreshing a lot of our content. How should we think about this you know, long-term buy and hold strategy if the world's going on? Does that, is it different now? Is this time different? Is like typically a question. And we just created a lot of content. Um, we created a lot of videos, which was tricky to do because all of a sudden we were a fully distributed organization. So we were shipping around video equipment and trying to do all these things. But we put up a bunch of videos, we put up a bunch of contents, and we were watching behavior on our system and calibrating, right? And making sure that we weren't, you know, pushing so much messaging that we were adding to the level of fear and anxiety, but also pushing enough or at least providing it in the right moment such that people could make more fully informed decisions. Um, if the, you know, if they were considering massive reallocations of their investment strategies or something like that in a more forward looking manner, um, a lot's happened, you know, COVID is obviously still, um, a very, very serious problem in the world. And we've seen other, you know, social movements come to the forefront. We've mm -hmm. seen a lot of politicization of various elements. And so we've certainly been thinking about some facets of our platform where we've been getting more feedback and more focus from customers than we had before um, the past few months. And so a couple areas that come to mind, the first is charitable giving. So on Betterment, we make it uh, really easy to donate appreciated shares of equities to a charity, which is a really powerful thing to do, right? Because that means you're donating appreciated stock. So you don't have to liquidate and pay taxes on those gains. You can effectively donate more 
um, than you would otherwise be able to donate in terms of dollar value to charities. So we've had that functionality for a little while, but we only support um, a handful of charities and a donor advised fund and customers were asking us to add some different charities to the platform effectively. And so we've been um, chatting with a bunch of them and we haven't added any just yet, but we're certainly deep in process to expand that offering. And we hadn't planned to do that, um, at least not this early in the year. That was something we might've waited until a little bit later in the year to invest in. So that's one example. Another example is we have a portfolio. When you come to Betterment and you create um, an investment goal, you get to choose what, uh, what portfolio strategy you wanna follow. We have kind of this core recommended Betterment core portfolio, but we also have um, a Goldman a Smart Beta. We have some Vanguard model funds, just some other options. We also have a socially responsible investment strategy. And we've seen a lot of demand to, to improve it, to offer more customization, more flexibility, um, and to even surface it a bit better because it's not front and center um, in the experience right now. So that's another example where we're going to be investing and releasing some changes there in the coming uh, handful of months. Um, so th those are a couple of the areas. Um, the areas where we considered it, but we didn't decide to make additional investments were some of those, you know, um, interrupts, right? When a customer comes in to make a big allocation change, a big withdrawal or otherwise, the mechanisms we already had in place um, to better inform customers when they're making those decisions, those were working and are working really, really well. So we didn't see a need to, to run much faster um, at, those, at those products. Um, but we did, based on some of the customer uh, demand, start investing in some of those other areas, primarily the yeah, portfolio customization and charitable giving. Got it. So, I mean, that sort of um, preludes what my next question was, like, you know, as you start to look out for the rest of the year and into the future, like, what, what, what does the roadmap look like and what's important for you guys to roll out now to service customers in this era? Yeah, it's a great question. So that's definitely some of the near-term stuff we were talking about. And, and so I'd break it into a couple areas. We still want to invest in our individual products and ensure we are, you know, building and supporting class leading checking accounts, class leading, you know, high yield cash accounts, class leading investment accounts. So we will continue investing in those products as individual products, right? So like on checking, we, we launched with a great critical mass of, of core checking behavior and support, right? Debit card, um, ATM reimbursements, we launched remote check deposit rather recently. And we also, you know, try to do these things with excellence. Uh, remote check deposit was an interesting one because, you know, I, if you've ever done it with the average banking app, it, it can be a pretty painful experience mm -hmm. to get the lighting just right and everything. But I think we actually built a really, really delightful experience that provides you immediate feedback, automatically takes the photo and otherwise. So we try to also do these things really well, not just tick boxes. Um, but we have other things coming up soon. Um, and you could also do other things, right? You could, you can pay all your bills with the checking account. You can transfer money on the common P2P platforms like Venmo or Zelle. So all that stuff's great. We'll, we'll continue to round out some of the functionality with um, the ability to order um, paper checks um, is something that we're using internally that will uh, launch in the not too distant future. There's joint accounts um, under construction right now, which is one of our most in-demand features. So think about it as solidifying and strengthening those individual products. And there's work going on 
with um, our high yield cash accounts and investing accounts as well. And then also a work at a different level of abstraction that we were talking about before the smart money manager concept to really pull it all together. that today we already automatically manage balances and like bi-directionally for you mm -hmm. across savings and checking. And we'll continue to expand that into the more into the more fulsome portfolio, right? Across all your investing goals, right? So, you know, today when you sign up and create a retirement goal at Betterment, we'll tell you like, hey, you should have a Roth IRA, a traditional IRA. You should keep saving this amount in your 401k and you should supplement it with a taxable account. Like we'll already tell you the accounts to have. We'll make it really easy to create them and we'll make it really easy to know how much to save in each, um, but we'll just further automate all of that. So you can, you know, take in that paycheck and allocate those funds or in an ongoing basis, um, look at what movement you should take given recent market changes, new objectives or changes in priority in your own life, things like that. So we'll just continue investing in that vision as well. Um, and just really keep pulling these things together, right? We want the individual products to be great, but we want the sum of the individual products to be greater than you might otherwise expect. And so that's where the really, you know, the smart money manager centric investments come in. And so those are some of the things we're definitely working on and are, and are top of mind for us right now. Mike, it's great talking. Thanks for joining us on the Tearsheet Podcast today. Zach, it was my pleasure. You have a great day.